can't tell if the chemistry is good by looking at it. It wasn't clear yesterday. For the last time, the saltwater pool is a chlorine pool. This is the Talking Pools podcast with pool pros from every region in the country. If it happens in a pool, you'll hear about it here. Everything from tips and hacks to the latest tricks and trends, breaking news. We lay it on the line. We tell it like it is because we think you deserve to know. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Testing Thursdays with Wayne. I hope everybody had a great week. It's still an oven here in the Mid-Atlantic area with uh, heat indexes uh, up to 107 to 110, I think is the highest one I saw. So, yeah, that, all that whole heat wave in the Midwest is slowly arriving here on the East Coast, and it's not fun, not fun at all. But then again, it feels like August here <laughs> to, to Maryland. It's, the running joke here is that, you know, um, if, if you walk outside, you're in an instant sauna. You can have 95 to 105 degree temperatures and about the same amount of humidity. So you're instantly walking into a sauna. Yeah, it's, it's kind of not fun. Anyhow, what we're going to talk about today is... Uh, not solely about chemistry, although there are chemistry parts to this. Um, it's not wholly about it, but it's something that I know that I've been in, involved with indirectly over the years uh, when it comes to um, pool and spa usage. Here's the deal. Here's what we're going to talk about today for the next 20 or 30 minutes or so. It's pool closures. I'm just going to talk about pools for right now and because it, it still applies to spas and hot tubs and things. But pool closures. And what prompted this, you might ask? Well, let me tell you, everybody. Just this past week or so, the city of Baltimore had all three of its municipal pools closed. In the middle of summer, downtown, you would think there would be some relief, uh, because you certainly don't want to swim in the inner harbor. You can, you will die, uh, basically. Um, but the three pools that are, are, are the responsibility of the Baltimore City Parks and Rec Department were all closed. Two of them were closed because of renovations. One of them, the problem was, quote, mechanical issues that has supposedly been fixed and has reopened, although I really can't can't uh, verify that. And when this came out, and all the civic leaders and you know and everybody just threw their arms up, wailed and screamed and said, "What you're doing? You're destroying the 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 uh, the uh, uh, the people here in the Baltimore. We want to have recreation. We want to have our pools open." Well, all this started when the city decided to quote, renovate um, two of the three pools. Um, now, they were due, uh, and honestly, they, 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 in, they were in pretty bad shape. The one that I used to swim out when I was a kid, it, it was in the city, actually not far from Johns Hopkins Hospital, 
uh, downtown-ish, uh, in an area called Patterson Park, a really pretty uh, park area downtown uh, in the slightly center to center east of, of downtown. Really pretty. I remember going there as a kid during camp, and, and we used to swim in that pool. Really nice pool, really big pool. I'd say it's probably somewhere in the uh, 150,000 gallon range. So it's a, it's a decent sized municipal pool. Well, the problem is the pool's about 70, 80 years old. And um, in, in, in dog years, <laughs> that, that means it's dead. But um, in, in the 70 years, it's never regone a, a massive renovation. Um, uh, yeah, they've upgraded some things. They did some things, but it, that was just as some things. What they didn't change was the infrastructure. So we're talking about not necessarily the pumps and the filter, but so much the pipes. Um, you know, Baltimore City has been around for a long time, and because of the of the of the age of our inf- infrastructure, you know, pipes burst, and and you know we have um, enormous potholes in the road, and and it's just big big problems. Well, they found out that the water that was coming into the pool was of an insufficient volume and and pressure that they wanted to to uh, renovate it. Well, then somebody said, well, why don't we just build a brand new pool there? And so there, and in another location. Um, so the, the city council, um, well, actually the mayor, um, Mayor Scott, um, nice guy, young guy, he's trying, um, got like $36 million dollars. Um, added to the Parks and Rec Department for the city to build a new pool at Patterson Park at another location. Well, then the city council, um, just before all of this was supposed to have started, said, "Oh no, you ain't. Uh, we can we can just we can just fix what's there." Well, uh, the problem was um, they the, the council did not get how long a renovation takes place and what's involved with the renovation. And because of that, when they timed the renovation of the two, two pools, they decided, oh, let's start this uh, June, right? It can't take very long. No, it's only going to take about, oh, seven months. Seven months from June. Yeah, do the math. So two-thirds of the municipal pools that are available to to the people in Baltimore City aren't going to be there. Um, so uh, it's just a, a big cluster. <laughs> um, now, the third pool uh, did just reopen. I believe I heard it reopened last Friday. But that's one, one pool of the three that the city had. Um, and so people, of course, outraged and upset and, Screaming and yelling and ganashing of teeth and calling for people to resign and all this stupid brouhaha simply because somebody didn't think and didn't use a little bit of common sense uh, when it came to to you know having a pool being closed. Now, granted, this was not about chemistry or anything, but as, as part of this little diatribe of mine today, um, I'm going to talk about pool closures. And what causes 
a health official to come in and close a pool as opposed to, say, a group of politicians saying, oh, we're going to renovate or clean or, or change up or, or whatever. So it's kind of kind of significant. Uh, you know, a health official, um, it, it, granted, you know, we, we kind of joke about them and we kind of you know, laugh and, and understand that oh, they really don't know what they're talking about. You know, some of them do and, and a lot of them do. And, and I know a lot of health officials across the country. I've, I've had the pleasure of, of, of not only being good colleagues with them, but but teaching them, you know, in the CPO courses that I deal with um, about everything involved in the operation of a pool. So you're not just talking chemistry, you're talking equipment, you're talking facility renovations and design and, and, and you know, everything that, that CPO is involved with. So what does a health official look like when they walk in? Well, first of all, their, their primary and their number one concern is obviously safety. They want to make sure that the facility is safe for the patrons to use. Um, so they're looking at things like, and I'm not even getting, getting near the water right now. We're looking at things like paving. We're looking at coping. We're looking at, you know, is there is, is the sidewalk in good shape? Is, is there nothing that's obstructing their way or that they could possibly trip over, you know, that kind of thing. Then, then you, then you get close to, to the pool. So, the health officials should obviously be taking um, um, sample water and, and doing their tests. And I would say 90% of the health codes in the country just target pH and, and sanitizer. They don't do anything else. There, there are a few um, that also add total alkalinity um, to, to that list. There are even a, a lesser amount that they want to know everything, you know, all the water balance parameters. Um, uh, they want to know bacteria count. They want to know, uh, you know, phosphates, they, that kind of thing. So there are a few. There's a couple states that that have to submit a water sample to a certified state lab to test for uh, bacteria and, you know, crypto and all, and all that stuff. New Jersey is one of them. And I believe Oregon is the other one. It's either Oregon or Washington. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's Oregon does that. Please correct me if I'm wrong, but I definitely know New Jersey does. It's a neighbor. So depending upon where you are, defines how, how strict and, ha and how the, the health department, the health official rather has to be. So they take their pH test. They take their, san their sanitation test, their, 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 um, chlorine test usually and invariably i don't know why it is they don't get they don't get the same answers as the tech on hand so they don't get the same numbers um in fact the numbers are usually dramatically different you know the the, the tech the cpo and staff might get a ph of of seven four seven five and a chlorine reading of three or four Health official comes in and says, no, your chlorine is 10, uh, so I got to shut you down, or your pH is, is 7 and got to shut you down, that kind of thing. So, you know, you've got, you've got here two separate, two completely different um, situations here. What do you do? Well, in most of the cases, you can challenge um, a health official's uh, results. Uh, and depending upon where you are, that challenge could be, Immediate, you could have the health official 
uh, for example, use the the uh, facilities test kit for testing. Uh, you could have the uh, health official or the uh, CPO or the tech or whoever uh, check to see how fresh the reagents are because I can tell you that every time I've gotten a call from a facility operator who said, you know, my, my readings didn't match the health official, they got such and such a reading because of that, they had to shut me down, but I know I don't have that much, what do I do? Well, check the check the shelf life of the reagents or whatever the the, the, the um, cater testing mechanism the health official has. See how old they are, because I can tell you in, in probably 90% of the calls that I got, the health officials kit was was out of date. Um, now that is not necessarily the health officials fault. It is the health department's fault uh, because of probably costs because you know a good solid piece of testing equipment, whether it's electronic, liquid, it doesn't matter. Um, costs money and you know budgets are tight and we all get that and we understand that. But, you know, is, it, is there a question that you want to be able to, to get the right answers with a good quality testing system? Or are you going to chance it by using something that's been sitting around in an office for three or four years? Oh, there's still liquid left in there. It should still be good. No, it's not good. Um, I've had that happen too many times. And I have had, had it happen where the facilities testing system is old or not calibrated or, or, or whatever. But that is not the norm. Normally, it's it's the health official's um, uh, fault. Or it's a health official that kind of was just shoved a kit in them uh, to them and says, okay, here, do, do the test, follow the instructions. If you don't get the answer that we're looking for, shut them down. You know, without any understanding of what causes a problem, why you could get a false reading, you know, how to correct it, things of that nature. No, no, no. They just tell them to, doesn't match your numbers, shut them down, which is unfortunate. Unfortunate. I remember a situation in, I think it was North Carolina. This is about 15 years ago. I was down there teaching a basic chemistry and testing class to a very large health department uh, outside of Raleigh. There must have been 40 or 50 health officials there. and. I, I asked them, you know, bring your test kits with you. We'll take a look at them, see what's good. And, you know, they, they were using the test kit of the company that I worked for, which was great, you know, and wonderful. But out of, say, the 40 test kits that they brought in, I'd say only about five were, were current, were, were, had, were still within their shelf life. All the others were old. Well, we can't replace them because it costs money to replace them. Well, yeah, everything costs money, but you know you're not serving the public properly. You're, you're not creating you're, you're creating an unsafe condition where it isn't unsafe. It's safe, perfectly fine, and you're causing more problems than you are solutions. That um, did a lot of finger wagging that day. Um, there are there are some health officials, um, Karens of health officials, I guess who go out of their way to find something wrong to shut you down. Um, even the most minute thing. Oh, look, there was a, a dog hair next to a trash can here or something. You know, that's unsanitary. I got to shut you down. You, you know, it's, 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 I know that sounded ridiculous and stupid, but, you know, it's it's out there. They're out there. 
And then there are other health officials who really don't care. You know, they, they come in, they look around real quick, say, oh, yeah, you're fine, walk away. You know, you, you, get, you get what you pay for, honestly. I'm, maybe I should have become health official years ago. You know, but yeah, never mind. I, I digress. Anyhow, um, so, you know, a health official will, will do all their testing and, and, and a good conscientious health official will look at the equipment, check pressures, check all the ga- pressure gauges, things like that, make sure the pumps and filters are operating properly. You know, that kind of thing. We'll ask the appropriate questions, like if they're using the high-rate sand filter, when's the last time the sand has been changed? No, that kind of thing. Um, they're knowledgeable. The good thing out of all this is that um, I'd say within the past ooh, 10 years, excluding COVID timeframes, uh, we've had a, a an increase in the number of health officials that are taking the instructor's course for CPO and taking the CPO course itself. Um, as, as most of you know, I'm, I've been on the instructor assessment committee for PHTA now since like 2005, oh four, something like that. So I've been involved in teaching people how to teach the CPO course. And I, I of course, teach my own classes. Um, and the number of health officials that are taking it has just, it, it's, it's jumped, which I think is great because not only, well, you know how I feel about education in general, but it shows a little due diligence on the health department's part to, to allow these people to take the appropriate classes so that when they go visit a facility, they know what they're talking about. They know what to look for. They understand that some situations are not easily fixed or there was a mistake made or an interference. This is how you get around it, you know, that kind of thing. Um, let me give you a perfect example. I recently taught a class, uh, a class of about 20 uh, up in New Jersey uh, a couple months ago, back in the latter part of March. And of the 20 people in the class, I had five health officials from three different counties. That's pretty big. The last instructor's class that we had in person, which was in Las Vegas um, last fall, um, there were about 30 students. And of the 30, I would say there were at least five, maybe six were health officials. And, and we love that when, when we teach the instructor's class. We just like the enthusiasm. We like the the fact that, you know, their, their, their departments understand how important it is to, to learn more about the industry and, and understand their role in providing a safe place for, for the public to, to enjoy swimming, to enjoy being, being in a pool. Um, it, it, and we kind of go out of our, we, I don't want to say we show them preferential treatment. We don't, but, but, you know, I always make sure I go out of my way and introduce myself and, and you know, thank them for coming and and uh, and tell them you know look we appreciate it we we've seen a dramatic uptick in in the, in the number of people who want to take this particular course from health departments and I remember a couple of responses we got back was like yeah we we get it we understand it we might be we might have problems with staffing you know everybody does because of COVID uh, to a degree 
Uh, like I, there's only two health officials in the entire department, the two pools. And there's over 300 pools in our county, and you know we can't get to everyone. Yeah, we, we get that. We understand completely. But you do the best you can, and and adding to that, do the best you can is you know taking, getting the education, getting the knowledge, getting the certification, showing that you know what you you know what you're doing, and and can provide a a non um, discriminatory uh, uh, um, process to get full approved. Be sure it's running right. So um, it's very important that we all recognize the fact that you know, pools can be closed for a variety of reasons. Pools can, can be closed for a variety of reasons. So don't initially get pissed off if, if the pool that you're dealing with, uh, the, the, the public pool, gets closed. You know, let's find out what's wrong. What did the health officials see? Um, uh, what didn't they see? Uh, how are you going to go fix it? Things of that nature. So it, it's a good working relationship that you should have with your health official and not one that's that's uh, confrontational. They're, they are there for a reason. They are there to help. So, you know, working together will create a much better working environment overall for everybody. Well, that's all I have for today, folks. I uh, hope you have a fantastic week coming up. Try to stay cool out there. Please keep hydrated. Wear sunblock. Wear a hat. <laughs> you know, this is coming from a from a 68-year-old uh, freckled ginger guy with a bald head. Believe me, wear your sunscreen. So everybody have a great week. I'm talking at you then. Take care. Bye-bye now. just wanted to take a minute to say thank you for listening today. I'm hoping you enjoyed the episode as much as we enjoyed putting it together for you. Listen, it's been a couple of wacky, crazy, screwed up years from pandemic to Poolmageddon. I just want you to know that we are all in this together. If there's anything that we can do for you, send me an email at talkingpools at gmail.com. Again, that's talkingpools at gmail.com. We're here. This is your podcast. We are the Pool People's Podcast of the Pool People for the Pool People by the Pool People's Podcast. This one is about you. So thank you for tuning in and listening. Do me a favor. Click subscribe before you go. That way you don't miss an episode. 